Welcome to Connemara Ponytails, a new series of interviews giving you an insider's view on all things related to the Connemara Pony. We'll be having lighthearted chats with breeders, writers, producers, and Connemara enthusiasts who'll share their stories. We hope you enjoyed this free series, and please share with your friends and family. Welcome to Connemara Ponytails. I hope you're all well. I'm delighted to welcome Blanche Miller of the renowned Rose and Harley Stud to the show. Most of you will be aware of Blanche, a former president of the BCPS, international judge, and possibly one of the most recognized Connemara pony breeders of all time, having bred mm-hmm. one of the most influential and successful ponies under her UK stud prefix, Rose and Harley. And today, I've just seen that Blanche has been awarded the Michael J. O'Malley Award by the International Committee of Connemara Ponies. The award is given to an international owner or breeder who has selflessly promoted the Connemara Pony during their lifetime. Welcome, Blanche, and a massive congratulations on the award. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. I feel very honoured by the whole thing. It's, it's, very, it's a great honour to me to be awarded this wonderful prize because O'Malley was such a Michael O'Malley was such an amazing man and he really did set the Connemaras up and he was so proud of them and so devoted to them and so we all have to follow in his footsteps. It's a fantastic achievement and even on Facebook the amount of recognition um, from different breeders and and Connemara pony people so well done and truly deserved. Thank you thank you. But Blanche, there's, there's a lot of people listening and I certainly want to, to don't want to steal any thunder and want you to just really open up about your experience with Connemara ponies. But I think really to kick it off, I'd be hugely interested to find out how you got into ponies or horses and was that a family thing and how that evolved? Well, both my, uh, my grandparents on both sides of the family were um, extremely kind of horse-driven and horse well, of course, in the 19th century, everybody was involved with horses. You couldn't live without knowing about them, which uh, was the kind of foundation of so many studs. And, and my grandfather was called T.V. Miller, and he was a, a renowned master of foxhounds. And when I got to judge at Dublin, I was very amused to find that I was following in his footsteps there as well. And he judged the hunters in 1900. My grandfather. Wow. Yeah, T.B. Miller, he was. And my other, on the other side of my family, they both used to hunt ferociously. In fact, my mother's parents liked to hunt all the year round. And I'm ashamed to say that they were very ardent otter huntsmen as well. In the summer, they had to hunt, so they hunt, hunted otters, which is what people did. I don't yeah. think they caught very many, but I think <laughs> it was lovely fun plunging about in the rivers in the summer. Lovely. And was that was that all around Dorset, Blanche, or where no, were my um it was Gloucestershire really. My father was a, was a Gloucestershire man, and my mother was she was born in Gloucester, although she did live in Monmouthshire for a bit, and then she came back to Gloucestershire, and then they met my father. They met, and they went to live in in Hampshire. We were always Ruth and I were always kind of horse mad, and we had a a rocking horse that we used to play endless games with him and then we finally got our pony 
and the poor old rocking horse had to take rather a back seat. Our first pony was called Corona, and I don't suppose there'll be many ponies called Corona born this year, do you? No, I don't think so. I do think the, the beer Corona is doing very well on the back of it. And <laughs> Blonde, was, it, was it just yourself and Ruth? Just one yes, that's right. Yes, yes. And, yes. and what happened was, my uh, we lived in Ireland, we lived in County Kilkenny, and then my father died and my mother decided to come back to England because we were kind of school age, you know, we were all at school all over the place. And she decided it would be easier if she was, uh, you know, in, in England at the time. I, my grandmother left me, she left all her grandchildren £100, and I spent my £100 on a Connemara pony, which we bought through an advertisement that we put into the Irish Times, which was quite funny. That first pony in Kilkenny, when you were living in Kilkenny? We did have a pony in Kilkenny. We bought the pony just before we left Ireland, actually. We okay. bought him in summer, and then we moved over here in early winter, November, December sort of time. Brought the ponies with us. We had another one that wasn't a Connie actually. We brought the two of them over. She was by um, Inchigore Laddie. She yeah. was by Cannonball. And anyway, we decided it would be fun to show her. So we took her to a show, and she got third prize, and we were so absolutely enchanted. We thought, this is a good game. And then we thought, well, we'd better breed from her. So we sent it to Stud a couple of times, and nothing happened. And so then we thought, well, we've got to get ourselves a stallion. So we went over <laughs> to Ireland. We used to go every summer and we met uh, Colonel Bellingham of the Glencara stud and um, he kind of encouraged us in a big way and set us off with lots of good advice about buying a colt, which we, we found McNamara. We got the catalogue and he actually won his class at Clifton when he was a yearling. Anyway, we tracked him down. The day we went to buy him was the day, it was 1961 and it was the day of the most terrible storm when terrifying actually the tiles were blowing off the roofs in the main street in Clifton wow. and we went to Ballycanely to find him to buy him we took the pound notes in our pocket when we got to Ballycanely they all came rushing out of the seaweed factory which is gone now they were saying roof's coming off the factory the roof's coming off the roof's coming off so we rushed rushed away <laughs> and the next day we went and it was one of those beautiful beautiful Connemara days you know when the sun <laughs> Shines and there's a bit of a breeze and everything looks so beautiful. And uh, and anyway, then we bought the little boy and brought him and brought him home. And he was by Noble Star, which was by Macdara, but his mother was by Noble Star. And so I was interested when I was listening to Tom McLaughlin, who was saying how he thought Macdara was the best of the lot. And I have to agree with him. He was an amazing, amazing pony. Did you know about Macdara at the time when you were buying Mac- McNamara? Did you know about oh, him? Yes, we did. We, yes, we did. Um, if we did know about him. I don't know whether we'd... Had we actually seen him? I'm not quite sure. We also... We looked at one or two others. We looked... Well, we looked at one... And was this yourself and your sister or did your mum go with you as well? No, well, not really. No, it was just my sister and I. Okay. I was I was 18 and my sister was 17 or something. Yeah. It was quite a thing for people of that age to, to do. There wouldn't have been many... British people at Clifton at that time? No, no, there weren't. No, there were very few. We, we met um, Stephanie Brooke and we met her stallion, who was also by, I think, 
I think he was by McDowell as well. He was charming pony, was Colt's foot. And then we saw a Lambe rebel who went to um, to Denmark, and we saw him there. And then um, we, and we bought at the same time the mare who was called May Retreat, who was supposed to be by Mayboy, but I don't think she was actually. Where did I, you buy her from? Well, we bought her from uh, he was a, a dealer and breeder called um, Jack Bolger, who lived in Cashel, and he had a field full of ponies. And we went to look, and there was Mylish with all these others. We called her Mylish because she was so sweet. Mylish means sweet. And she set off round the field with all these others. And I just thought to myself, golly, she can move. We bought her, and she came over with McNamara. And she was in foals with Doon Paddy, and she had a very nice colt. Who He was the first pony that we showed that we won a first prize with when he was a foal. So he was quite remarkable. And he went to Denmark. In fact, he was the first Connemara pony to go to Denmark. Just going back to when you say Maytree was meant to be by Mayboy. Um, well, I'm not sure that she was. She was mm-hmm. called Mayboy in her, on her registration certificate. But, I mean, a pony less like her, anything with Irish draft, you, you couldn't possibly meet. She was a very quality, you know, good Connemara quality pony. And I always had a doubt in my mind. And I suspect now... One would have done DNA testing and one would have found that she probably, probably wasn't. thought she might have been possibly been by Connor Bobby because he was actually about at the same time. And I think Jack Bolger was, had both of them at stud at the time. So, you know, there was always a slight question in my mind. Not that it mattered in those days because we bred for the pony and not the pedigree. More for the pedigree now than I think they should do in a way. I think the performance in the pony is much more important than what's written on bits of paper. And tell me, just going back to then, so we, at this stage we've got McNamara and you've got Maytreat back over in the UK and at and what we point... Sugar as well, the first one we bought, she was with us still. You have Sugar still as well, who yes, got that, and then at what point did you set up the stud and get to the point well, where straight away, really, as soon as we came over here, we'd I think we'd always I'd always wanted to breed uh, animals anyway, you know, sort of what I always wanted to do. And I had an idea of having a farm with nothing but black and white animals on it. Say so that never never came to anything. You took a different turn. And then the name itself, Rose and Harley, where did that oh, well, come? Well I tell you that's interesting. The, House we lived in uh, was called Harley Park, and on the old maps it was called uh, Rosener Harley. And when we went into it, um, it means a fields with trees in it, which of course is what parkland is, in fact, isn't it? You know, you think of parkland, you know, you think of fields with trees growing all over it, and uh, so that's why they were called Rosener Harley. That's why we picked the name. It's a lovely name. Um, so, that, okay, we're back in the UK then and you've got almost your foundation stock. You're very clear you do want to breed this out. What 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 happened next? Well, we bred a lot of foals out of with McNamara and um, May Retreat and Sugar had two or three by two, I think, by Mac. And actually we sold her. She went to, to Denmark. We found that she was a bit of a nuisance in the stud because she was terribly noisy. She was always neighing and upsetting all the others. You know, she's always on the alert and she's always shouting. The others would stop grazing and look to see what she'd seen to shout at. And she was noisy in the state, she was very noisy. But the people that had her in Denmark 
loved her for that. They really liked it. So that was all right. It all ended very happily. And these people in Denmark were looking for a Connemara pony. Why they wanted one, I don't know to this day. They got hold of some agent or deer or something. And she shopped around and shopped around, or answered us, but I can't remember quite exactly. I mean, it was an awful long time ago. She found us, found us, and found the pony. And after a lot of negotiation, off he went. And, uh, and then we sold these people quite a lot of ponies, actually. You had a good relationship with them. Oh, yes, they were such lovely people. They were called uh, Ullison, and they were so nice. And we used to stay with them. And has that, has the Danish society and the Danish ponies, is there a strong influence with the ponies that you exported now to this day? Well, in a way, yes, because they had, they imported one of McNamara and Milish's sons, who was called MacMilo, and he went to a Hohen's man, a Hohen's stud, and bred a couple of very good mares that he had. Uh, he was a tremendous breeder. He had about 40 mares and all sorts of stallions. He had marble. If we if we look then and moving into more stallion territory, at what point then? So you've got McNamara. He would be your first stallion at stud. You were using him on your own mares, and then at what point did um, did other people start coming to you and other breeders? Um, and well, very you... quickly because he was champion at the show. When I think he was a four year old, might have been a five year old. Okay. And his were very quickly doing very well. And he was a tremendous stock improver. You know, he'd have the most odd-looking mares would appear, and they'd all have foals that were better than they were, which, of course, was kind of endearing to breeders because cause he was a very well-made... He wasn't a very big pony. He was just very correct and a good pony. And he stamped his stock, and a lot of them were very, very good movers. And I think, although he didn't move particularly well himself, his stock did. Uh, so people like that, and that's where I think the good movement, that and mileage between them, is why the Rose and Harley ponies move well. And of course, Ruth and I were always interested in movement. It was some, one of the things that we really liked. That all goes back to McDara then. Well, he was a good, yeah, that's right. And I think that Noble Star was, because he, he was a very successful stallion when he was standing over in Ireland. I think he was quite like McNamara because he McNamara was black when we bought him with a few grey hairs and Noble Star was the same when he was very young. He was very, very dark grey. And then, and then I, he, he was sort of mares. He had a, a lot of mares. It was really hard work during the summer. Ruth and I had to, you know, really work very hard at it. We used to take him to the show. He used to go to the stallion shows and then we quite often used to go to the breed show. His stock won the the Progeny Award at the Breed Show 11 times. And I don't believe any other stallion will ever be able to ever do that. It's unbelievable. But was he ever broken and ride, ridden? Yes, he was. Yes, we rode him. Well, a fair amount. He wasn't very big and my I don't ride much. And my sister is you know, really quite tall. And so she was too, too big for him. So we didn't really ride him very much. But he was very well broken. He was nice to ride. I did ride him once or twice. And did he ever, um, it's great that there, that there was strong progeny on the ground to Connemara's. Did he cross with um, with any horses? All I'm interested in some of the past episodes with William Micklem and Tom speaking about the great crosses. Yes, he did. He, he had a few. He had a few thoroughbred, one or two thoroughbred mares. And quite a lot of local pony mares used to come. Yes. Lillian, which was quite funny. 
He had a coloured pony came to visit him on one occasion, coloured foal, which amused us. <laughs> <laughs> and Blanche, moving on to then some of your other ponies, he's he was hugely influential, but the ones that were really aware of us and a lot of the listeners would be Rowley, Loris, Rossley, others. Would, would just maybe talk to me a little more about the evolution then of um that first stallion into the following stallions you actually had at stud and perform? Well, we only stood Kulira Coleman a couple of seasons. And um, then we had one of Coleman's sons. We ran him for, for, I don't know, I think a season. But I don't know whether, I can't remember whether we bred a foal by him or not. I can't remember. But we didn't really do, when McNamara was our stallion, and when he went, my sister, by this time, had gone to London and done all sorts of different things. She wanted to spread her wings and you know, do other things, so she went off to London. And I stayed at home, really, because of the ponies and because uh, my mother was getting a bit kind of old and needed. She didn't need to be on her own, so I stayed at home and, and did that. Was your mother as involved with the ponies as you and Ruth when you were doing all this? My mother? Well, she was always very interested she loved them. She was very fond of horses. She wasn't very brave with them. I mean, she, you know, she would kind of come and join in and watch them and come to the shows and things. But she didn't really do anything much with them. Okay. I remember she was forced to hold one of the ponies on one occasion. I wasn't there when this happened. And the pony you know, threw her head up and flung her head, caught my mother on the head. She really put her off, my mother off completely. That was it. Terrified <laughs> <laughs> her. She rode when she was a child, but she'd had a horrible pony. My father was the same. They both of them had horrible ponies that really put them off riding completely. Uh, but my mother had had race horses, so you know, she had horses in her horses in her blood. Really, that's where where you're probably getting a lot of it from. And then, so okay, we we have the Coleman who had a son, and then. Can we move on to, or is there anything before we go on to Rowley? Well, Rowley, we hadn't really started to ride them at that time. Rowley was the result of one of McNamara's daughters, Ronamara's, and we sent her to Huckleberry Finn, who was one of Bobby Finn's sons, and she and that was resulted in Rowley. Michael Clancy came and saw him, and he 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 had at some stage uh, owned. Uh, May retreat, and he'd always liked her, and so he bought Rowley, and he was actually one of the very first ponies, you know, to go back to Ireland. How did that happen? Because I think Joe meant he came, saw the foal, or was it? He bought him as a foal, and he kept him for quite a long time, and then he went to live somebody else who used him a bit, and then whether Eamon bought him, well, he had him for a bit, and then he bred Curramore. Did he have any other? So obviously, Kirkmore Cashel is is very well known. Did he have other um, famous stallions on the ground? No, he didn't. But he had some very, very nice mares. Very nice. He wasn't used an awful lot by Connemara, but he, but he wasn't in Connemara for a start off. So, um, but he did have some very nice foals. What about Rose and Harley Loris? Lauren was by one of McNamara's sons. He, her mother was Liam Lorella which also goes back to Don Lorenzo. She was a Don Lorenzo granddaughter. So there was a little bit of inbreeding there, which was kind of interesting. That's how Lorin came about. And then um, there was Italian Loris as well. He is Lorin's son by Atlantic Swirl. 
then there was Rossley. Lauren was we she, we only showed her two seasons in Under Saddle, which was very successful in hand as well. You know, she won championship certainly at the Bath and West, you know, Royal and the Breed Show and you know, various other things. She was a very successful riding pony, but yeah. she was a very determined creature and it took an awful long time to get her to say, Okay, I'll be ridden. She <laughs> it wasn't easy. <laughs> An awful lot of patience, and <laughs> well, she was and... a very big, strong pony. You know, she was she wasn't particularly tall, but she was a a, a very kind of tough pony. There was nothing fairy-like about Lauren at all. And of course, when we started to breed, uh, a big pony was fourteen hands, and they were really big, and they were mostly the height was about 13.3 was the sort of average height of the ponies. Quite a lot of them were smaller than that. And then one of your notable ponies was Ross League as well, who won Olympia on two occasions. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. She was wonderful with Ross League. She was out of a mare called Ross Mara, who was out of a mare called Revel of Leem. Ross McRevel was her Irish name. And she only ever had... One foal. They weren't a very good breeding line because Tamara only had two foals, I think it was two. And Ross Lee was very hard to breed from. She had two foals, but it was a really hard, hard graft to get it to, you know, to get in foals. It was really difficult. Who was she put in foal to? She went to Atlantic Swirl. Who was Jeanette Mason and I went off to Ireland because she had some McNamara mares as well and granddaughters. And we thought... We went off to Ireland to have a look, see what we could find. And uh, we looked and looked, and we found Atlantic Swirl, who was bred by Jimmy Jones. And you couldn't have picked a better stallion for our mares, if you know what I mean. They, they seemed to be such a good match. Because she bred some beautiful ponies by him out of her McNamara, not daughters particularly, but granddaughters. She used Bobby Finn on her McNamara mares, and then... We used Swirl on the next generation. When we look at the, the more recent ponies, what have we got? Are there ponies on the circuit now doing well? No, they're not. I own, I own two at the moment. Yeah. One of them is Amy, and she's by Swirl out of Lorin. And she, if ever there was a pony that was a saint, it was her. She, she's just got the most extraordinary and amazing temperament. And at the moment, she's looking after a a young lady with um, cerebral palsy who does all sorts of things with her. She does a bit of long-distance riding and she kind of hunts her and hacks her. And, and the other one, who's called Banry and Laura, she is still with the Robertses who broke, who broke the ponies for me all the way along the line. She's very good jumping, but she didn't like the very hard ground in the summer. And so we thought it's no good trying to get her to do these working hunters and things. If she hates the hard ground. Yes, yeah. So she goes hunting now, which she likes much better. And is that is that the, the end of the line then, Blanche, or is there will you will you well, bring no, no, there aren't any young, there are no younger ones. Those are the two kind of last ones. What amazing ponies. I'd be interested to just when we look at the UK and Ireland and the differences in ponies. I see, you know, you've mentioned quite a bit around coming to Ireland and bringing ponies back and then Rowley going back over to Ireland. So there's a little bit of cross ponies across the two markets. But what from, from your perspective, what's the big difference you see right now between a British pony and an Irish bred pony? I think we don't breed them so big in this country. 
we don't we don't really breed them as big as you manage to breed them in Ireland. You know, when you look at the ponies for sale, so many of them are 15 hands and 15 one. Well, that's quite unheard of, and you really don't find English-bred ones that size at all. I think that our ponies are... I don't think there's any much difference now in, in the middle range, but you do find some big ones that come over from Ireland that are... Very, very horse-like. You know, they've got rather horsey heads and they've got... They don't really show the pony characteristics that I like to see. And, of course, if you're breeding for size, you're going to probably be uh, breeding back to the thoroughbred and the Arab and those kind of lines. And I think that is maybe what's happened. I don't know. So the Irish pony had more influence with the thoroughbred lines and some of the... The crosses more so than, than in the UK? Well, you see, we couldn't use the, the crosses. We couldn't use... We would never put anything into the breed that the Irish hadn't put in, if you see what I mean. Yes. So we were entirely guided by uh, what the Irish did. And when the ponies came over here, they had to compete with the English breeds. And the English breeds, are, you know, the New Forest and all the others... They're mm. much more pony type. We had to kind of go along with the pony type. And I think, I just think that maybe English breeders were more concerned with that than the Irish were at that, that time. I think now the Irish are equally on to the, you know, the good practice of breeding than they were in those days when Connemara was really run like one great big stud, wasn't it, with the stallions being moved from place to place. I often think that the people that set up the Connemara Society in Ireland must have had such a fascinating time, you know, choosing the stallions and deciding which stallion was going to go to which area and yeah. uh, and all that kind of thing. It's really interesting. But little did they know the influence or where the, the Connemara, I'm sure they didn't know where it would be today, such an international... Absolutely they didn't. No, they were very keen on them. You know, they, they had tremendous respect for the ponies, you know, the, the kind of founders of the breed. And they weren't going to let, it, let them disappear at all in knew the value and importance of them. When you think about it, Connemara, when you kind of compare them to British native breeds, Connemara itself... It's such an enormous area compared with the Exmoor or the New Forest or, you know, these other places, which are really very small, or the mm. Shetland Islands. And so the ponies are going to be more of a type. But if you think, you know, a pony that's spread right down in Kana, there's not much in his life that's like a pony that's spread right up at the top of Connemara. You know, it's miles away. <laughs> and in the old days, of course, there weren't roads between the different places where well, there were only tracks and you know people used to use boats and things to get around the coast there weren't roads across the bog really so the kind of ponies were going to be bred to suit the country that they part of the country that they came from and because it's such a big area that well, actually in that interesting thing an old old book about the breed that was done in the late 19th century all those extraordinary old pictures they did identify the fact that there were different types in those days, even. And now the ponies are much more like there isn't the different types for the different parts of the country at all. You know, they're all uh, muddled up together, which is interesting in some ways, but I think it's kind of a, 
a bit of a shame in other ways. That, uh, think about it. Our, our ponies can't be that different from yours because the ponies that we've taken over to, you know, when we took the two ponies to Dublin, um, if they'd been completely wrong and out of type and all the rest of it, they wouldn't have done as well as they did. So we weren't, you know, it was kind of reassuring to me that we, you know, we weren't far out with our our breeding if they could compete with the uh, best at Dublin and, and, you know, kind of come out on top. It was, it was, and then Diana Stavely, of course, has done the same. She's taken ponies over and done extremely well with them. So there's not that much difference now, I don't think, between the, the breeds. So can can you just tell me um, about your trip to Dublin with the ponies? When was it and what, what actually drove you oh, to God, take Whatever them? was it. Um, what happened was that I was invited to judge Dublin. And um, we used to go to Dublin Horse Show when we lived there, of course. And it was so funny to go back there and to kind of remember it from all those years when we were children, really, when we used to go. And uh, I thought, oh, well... It will be such fun. Let's take the ponies. And so I immediately started planning from that autumn right the way through till the next summer when we when we went. I, I do remember you judging because I think I went under you. But and I think that did you? I think I did <laughs> in a ridden class probably 15 or 20 years ago. Would that be around? It would have been about right. So funny because the steward, he's called Lord Rathdonnell, I think, he kept saying, You've got to be out of the ring by such and such a time. And I kept saying to him, don't worry, we will be. And as I gave out the last rosette, I looked at the clock and I looked and I looked at him and I said, we've done it. Just <laughs> <laughs> on the time that he's... <laughs> They're so strict on time at Dublin. And what, sorry, what ponies, going back to flipping from the judging to bringing the ponies over, what ponies did you bring over? We brought Laura Pegg and Lorinda. And they were both by Swirl. And Laura Pegg was out of Lorin. And Lorinda was out of Lorinzi, who was Lorin's full sister. Did they win their classes, both of them? Oh, yes, they did. They've got, Lorin won both her classes. She was champion ridden and champion in hand. So that was quite an achievement. Bethy and um, uh, Peggy was only quite, you know, really young. And she won her in hand class and she was second in her ridden so you could see we had a good time well very much so and going back to difference between uk and ireland not the massivest of difference if no no it can't have been or we wouldn't have done so well would we i mean justification for our breeding policies really it's a very good signal and then you mentioned somebody else came over from the uk and it's that lovely lady from scotland um diana Staveley. she came actually the same year she brought the stallion with her but since then she's taken her mare bernie bray several times hasn't she she's won at dublin and she's won at clifton with her she's a very good mare so i set up a show in ireland connemara pony world and she brought that mare over as well and she won her class Yes, she did. She's a beautiful mare, actually. Beautiful. I was just saying that pony goes back to Atlantic Swirl, and she's kind of McNamara-ish in her background as well. So Really interesting, such close lines. Yes. Atlantic Swirl really was very influential. Well, he's been influential everywhere, hasn't he? Because he's had mm. um, a very good stock. His offspring in Australia has been, you know, some of his children have gone to Australia, and um, what else? Really, Denmark was the place that we sold them to. And then, of course, they went 
into Germany and across to Scandinavia and all their offspring did. It's a pleasure to me to hear about them. Maybe yeah. move on to a topic that isn't so lovely, and but something I did want to pick up with you is the dreaded hoof-wall separation disease. Oh, um, dear. Yeah, I, think... I, thought, I thought, will I bring this up or not? And I thought, I will, because I think... Well, yes, please do, because I think that it's terribly important in the future breeding of the of the ponies about the who fall is i think for one thing like all things is a good and a bad and it will make people pay much more attention to the pedigrees of the animals that they breed yeah. they won't just be doing it because of what the pony looks like will they they've got to pay attention to the pedigree of it and make sure that they're breeding from sound stock and that's got to be good because i think the faulty hooves i know that quite People have always said, oh, Connie Marlowe, they've got bad feet. Well, actually, I think few of them always have had bad feet. And I suspect the problem has been lurking for a long time. I think the question I have is what would you, what do you think we need to do to improve this situation? And, you know, for I anyone think, influential. Well, I think that we've got to make people a lot more savvy. I mean, I, I, mean, I did write on, on the the website the other day that I felt that the status ought to be embossed on the front cover of the passport. So there's no doubt about it. Mm. Because, you know, you hear about the last page of the passport that's got the information on it has been ripped out. I think it's probably when it's at the back page of the passport, it is almost like an afterthought. And I think to your point, if it is brought to the front, because there's a huge amount of people and even farriers and vets that are unaware of it. And I think if you do bring it to the front, that's a great idea because it, it becomes more front of mind when the passport is passed, when you or, check. Or it should be included in the animal's name, you know, that its situation should be included in its, in its registration number. Not a little thing that just says uh, HSWD or whatever. Of course, and people, you know, if you've got a gelding, it doesn't really matter. You know, people kind of get them tested when they're geldings. Well, if they're a gelding, they've either got it or they haven't. And it doesn't really matter because they're not going to have foals. I just think it's a matter of education, and I think it's a matter of breaking down prejudice. Mm. And I think another thing that worries me is that, that people have a pony that is HSWD twice over. And so they get it, that they scrub it, its green passport mm-hmm. and get themselves an, a white one, which is a sort of general purpose passport. And that's what the pony has. So, you know, that, that makes it really difficult. <laughs> yeah, well, the dishonesty, and I've seen the chats about that on Facebook, and it's, I think, more down to, isn't it, the breeders to... I think maybe with the hype this year and some good work online that there's going to be, it'll be a lot stricter and the breeders will be more careful moving forward and ensuring that the mares are NN. A couple of people who tell them that they've got it and they get sued, that will stop them, people doing it. If then they, they get... will realise the full uh, problem of what they've done. I mean, if I bought a pony, well, now, because they're all tested, it's not quite the same, but if I bought a pony that was... You know, before the testing was on board and it developed it, and I felt that the people that had sold me the pony kind of knew, or fit for purpose. You know, buyable wear is one thing, but I think sellers have got to be more, more 
wary as well. Yeah, it's so a challenge. I think it's just a matter of education. But I do kind of wonder whether time has come to think about putting in, because we've got this problem, putting in um, another thoroughbred stallion. I know that it didn't work the last time they tried, but you know, we are so short of bloodlines and really difficult. Well, I was going to ask you that, and when we look at the future of the pony and the huge um, requirements globally for, for performance ponies with all the Connemara lines and doing so well, is that your sort of thoughts or it should be explored further looking at the introduction of thoroughbred or how do you think we best evolve the pony for the market we're in? Well, if people want a pony that's too big, in my book, a pony over 42 is too big and not a pony, um, they should go for a part bread. I don't really believe in breeding up from smaller stock. I don't think you breed very sound stock if you do that because it's outside its natural genetic makeup, if you know what I mean. It's, a, it's not kind of what it ought to be. When we look at Blanche, looking at the, there is such demand for a bigger pony. So that's, a, is that not a question on what we do with the pony that's over 14.2? Whether this is, the stud book should be divided and mm. they're called Connemara Cobbs once they're over 14.2, I don't know. But that would be a solution, I suppose. I mean, if there's people looking for this huge demand, you see it all the time, 15 to, dare I say, 16-hand Connemaras. And it's, yeah, it's not a pony, is it? No, it's not a pony, no. But it's how do you address that as a, as a society? I to don't know our... how you address it. I just don't know. I suppose you just have to go with it, don't you? People are going to breed what people want. I mean, that was why they put the... Um, Conchineratum into the breed was mm. because the Irish people were always looking for stock by Nazil because they were beautiful ponies and such good, good show ponies and you know, uh, classical British riding ponies. And the Connemara Society thought that it would make the Connemara more popular if they put an Arab into it. Well, I don't think, I mean, there were a few very nice, beautiful once, but I don't think the Arab cross is actually a particularly happy one with Connemara's. I think a thoroughbred cross is much better with them. A hardier pony when it's crossed with a thoroughbred over uh, an Arab? I think so, yes. I think, I'm just thinking about what you said earlier around the native ponies and the real pony pony, you know, up against the Exmoors or the Dartmoors or the likes. And if you do something like that and introduce thoroughbred blood again, you certainly are moving away from that. So I would think you would need you would. to separate the stuff Absolutely, up. you would. But actually, the uh, other native ponies, I don't think the Shetland's not, and the Fells and Dales probably not, and the Exmoor's not. But the Dartmoors have got a lot of Welsh pony in them, and mm. the thoroughbreds have always been a sort of dumping ground for you know other stock. And they never, I mean, it's only quite lately that these that the new forest ponies have had to have pedigrees at all. It just used to say, buy a forest horse out of a forest mare until really quite lately. But I think they've all kind of tried to breed type. I mean, you, when you're judging, one of the things you do is you have the breed type and you're judging to the type, to the breed, to the breed description. And people don't bear that in mind when they're judging. You know, always you should have the idea that what you're looking at should look like the template that is set up by the breed description. And is that one of your principles when you judge or when you've judged? Oh, yes. You... Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, you've got to breed to... I mean, I think everybody has 
I mean, I've definitely got an idea in my mind of what I think a perfect Connemara pony looks like. I've never yet seen one, but I'm always trying to match up ponies that I see to this picture in my mind of what a perfect one would look like. So if we look at the ponies today, whether it's stallions or the best mares, if you could take one home now, Blanche, who, who would it be? Oh, God, what pony? Yeah. Well, who's your perfect pony that, that's, that's around, you know, this? Well, I don't. I mean, I haven't been to Connemara for a bit. The pony that I always thought was an absolute picture book pony was um, that pony of, of Porrick Hines, um, Countess, the full sister to Castle Countess, she was. Done pony. She was a beautiful pony. I thought she was an absolute picture book, one I would have loved. Years ago, we went up to, we were in Mayo, we went to a place called Castle Hill. We were trying to track down Don Lorenzo at the time, and we knew he'd been there. And we went up there, and she, and she, she was called Mrs. Westenrow, I think. She had some absolutely beautiful ponies, but she never bred from them. They were just standing about in the fields, and it was rather sad, really. But she had some beautiful stocks. Eileen Simpson's bred some absolutely beautiful ponies and all sorts of people over the years have bred. But I don't think there's anybody that's consistently bred as well as the Irish breeders are now. I mean, I do think that ones that win the prizes now, and they really are breeding so true to their own type and such good ponies that nobody could match them what they in the old days, couldn't match what they're doing now. I mean, I think they are producing some just beautiful ponies. Is there any names you want to call out on some of those breeders or, or ponies? Well, I mean, there's Henry, Henry O'Toole, of course, and Porrick, and, and all sorts of people, Porrick Hines, and the man that's got the manor stud, I think he's got some beautiful ponies now. No. And, um, oh, I don't know, wherever you go, the, the, the Currens, they've got, their ponies are lovely. That yeah. lovely Glenn, whatever. Anyway, you yeah. know the pony I mean. Yeah, Glenn Carrick-Knight. That's right. Blanche, it's been an absolute pleasure. I could keep talking to you for hours and I <laughs> have learned so much listening to you in the history of your pony and and, and so much more. Um, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it and I'm sure the listeners do and taking your time to speak to us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me. I've enjoyed it very much. I always want to talk to people about Connemara ponies. Well, we'd love to get you back on the show again. I'm sure there will be a topic and if you have the time, we would absolutely love that. So thank you very much.